this week's parasha is Parashas Nayach. The Torah tells us that after the Dar Hamabo proved that they were unworthy to exist, that the land was filled with corruption, with Gezo, with Hamas, with Arayas, Sakharish Baruch says to Nayach the following, Kate's called Basar Balafanai, the entirety of this world is coming to an end. And then, HaKadosh Baruch Hu commands Nayach, Aselacha Tevas Atzei Geifer. Make for yourself an ark, a teva, made of Atzei Geifer, a certain type of wood. V'chafarta Isa Mibayis Umichotz Bakaifer. And you should pitch the tar on this boat in order to make it seaworthy, it should be tarred on the outside and on the inside. Mibayas means in the inside, umichutz on the outside, meaning that you have to smear tar on this ship, on this teva, not only on one side, but actually on two sides. And that's the way that you're going to build the teva that I command you. If you look in Rashi on this pasuk, describing the kaifer, describing this tar, so Rashi says something very interesting. He says that kaifer is zephes beloshna rami. The Aramaic word for zephes, which is tar, is kaifer, and for some reason the Torah is using a different word that it normally would use of zephes. Here it's using the word kaifer. Umatsinu b'talmud kufra. We find, he says, in the Gemara and Shabbos, this lashon of kufra, it's an Aramaic word. And then listen to what Rashi says. B'tevasei shel Meisha. In the ark of Meisha, there is another teva in the Torah. There, we know the teva of Nayach, but in fact there was a second teva, and that was the teva of Meisha Rabbeinu. Meisha Rabbeinu, when he was a little baby, his mother made him a little boat, a little teva, in order to save him because the Egyptians were coming after him and she didn't know where to hide him anymore, so she put him in this teva and that's where she put him in the water and of course we know the rest of the story that he was pulled out of that water by the daughter of Parai and ultimately he became the Mashiach and Shal Yisrael, the savior of Pal Yisrael. But that was the other teva in the Torah, this teva of Mashiach, this little Raft, this little boat that was constructed by Meshra Avinu's mother. And now Rashi is comparing and contrasting the great Teva of Nayak and this little Teva of Meshra Avinu. And he says as follows by Meshra Benu's Teva, it says that his mother just put some tar on the outside of this little box that she put him in. Not in the inside. Why? Because the Teva of Meshra was put into very calm waters. It wasn't very strong tidal wave waters. It was just a regular pond that she was putting him into, a little river, nothing really extreme. So for that, it was enough to what? To put him into a boat into this little teva, and just put pitch on the outside, to tar the outside of this little, this little teva. However, says Rashi, the Eid, before he gets to Nayach, he says in another thing, another reason why there wasn't pitch on the inside and on the outside, just on the outside, because this tzaddikal, Meish Rabbeinu, is a little baby, he shouldn't have to smell the smell of tar. It doesn't smell too good, that smell. So to protect the tzaddik, only tar was put on the outside of this little teva and not on the inside. So we have two reasons, says Rashi, why Meish Rabbeinu's mother put tar on the outside. First of all, in order for it to stay afloat, it only needed tar on the outside. 
And furthermore, he was such a tzaddik that he didn't deserve to smell any tar, and therefore it wasn't put on the inside. However, says Rashi, when it came to the Teva of Nayach, over here, because it was so strong, these are hurricane conditions, this is the Mabal, this is very strong, rough waters, currents, you need a very strong boat. And so here, Nayak had to put tar not only on the outside of the boat, but also on the inside of the boat as well. Rashi, to me, is very strange here. Because, three questions, really. The first question that I have on this Rashi is, let's, let's keep apples and apples. If you want, even if you want to say that Teva 1, Teva 2, we're comparing the two Tevas of Meshra Bain, or the little shoebox that Meshra Bain was put in, and this large vessel of Nayak, you want to say that we can compare the two, fine. But just compare and contrast the, the, the conditions in which you're putting them. You're putting Meshe Rabbeinu into a pond. You're putting the Teva into this ocean of, uh, uh, of destruction. Well, obviously, there's going to be a difference that one has to have tar on the inside and on the outside, and one only needs tar on the outside. Why does Rashi have to throw in, and also the Teva of Meshe Rabbeinu, also, he was a tzaddik, he shouldn't have to smell the tar. Do you need the tar on the inside or do you not need the tar on the inside? If you don't need the tar on the inside because it's nice, tranquil waters, so then that's it. Why do you have to like bring up about, about this that he shouldn't smell anything? And if you... Uh, so what, what's the point? What's Rashi trying to say? Let's just compare the two things. If I was Rashi, I was saying, okay... Meshur is put into very calm waters. He didn't need that much tar on his boat. Nayak is in a marble, so he needs tar on the inside and finish. What are you bringing in about the fact that the, that Meshur Abeno shouldn't have to smell the smell of the... He didn't need, he didn't need to smell it. Obviously, you're not going to put more tar than you have to. Elamai, Rashi is trying to say something here. Rashi is trying to say that Meshur Abeno was a tzaddik and he shouldn't smell it. He might have needed it on the inside and the outside, perhaps, but because he was a tzaddik, he didn't need to, he, we shouldn't, we don't want him to smell it. So it was just put on the outside. As opposed to who? As opposed to Nayak. Nayak, obviously, even if, let's say, theoretically, he didn't need it on the inside and on the outside, and the outside would have been enough. But Nayak was obviously not such a big tzaddik. He wasn't a tzaddik, so therefore, too bad on him. He has to smell it on the inside and the outside. That's also very strange, because no less than the Torah itself says that Nayak was a tzaddik. It's not like, you know, you're, you're giving a shtach to Nayak that he wasn't such a tzaddik because he has, to, he has to smell the smell of the tar on the inside of the boat. Well, you know, I, I beg to differ with you, Rashi, because says He was a tzaddik. So, what do you mean to say that that Meshra Rabbeinu was a tzaddik, he didn't have to smell, he shouldn't have to smell the smell at all. Nayak was also a tzaddik. So maybe he shouldn't either have to smell. What's going on in Rashi? And the last kasha is just simply why Rashi correctly points out that we're changing the Lashon here. Normally the Torah uses the Lashon of Zephas. That's the word for tar. Here we're using a, an Aramaic form of, 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 of a word, and that's called Bakaifah. There's a, a word change. Rashi has to tell us that the Torah here is using a, an, alternate, an alternate word. Instead of Zephes, which is normally the way you, you speak about Tar, we're using the word Bakaifah. Okay, so we have three questions on this Rashi. Number one is, why does Rashi have to bring in about its Tzadik altogether? Because just compare the two. One was very calm seas, one was choppy seas. One obviously needed more tar than the other. That's it. Why does Rashi have to bring in about the tzaddik smell? If the tzaddik needs to smell tar, he'll have to smell tar, whether or not he likes it or not. If, if Maishra in his little table would have sunk, unless you put tar on the inside and the outside, presumably you'd put it on the inside also. Why do you have to say about a tzaddik that he shouldn't smell? That's number one. Number two is that 
you're implying that Nayak was not a tzaddik and therefore he should smell the tar or he could smell the tar, but Nayak was a tzaddik. And finally, why are we using the Lashon of Kaifer instead of Zephyr? So what I'd like to suggest is the following. Nayach was a tzaddik. He was an absolute tzaddik. The Torah says Nayach is tzaddik. There's nothing, to, there's nothing to argue about. But in fact, there is an argument amongst Chazal. We're all aware that at the beginning of, of this parasha, Rashi brings on the word B'dayra Yisab, he was a tzaddik, B'dayra Yisab. In his generation, he was a tzaddik. And Rashi says there's a big debate about what that means. Someone a Darshan Lashvat that, wow, if in this generation of Rasham he was a tzaddik, imagine how big a tzaddik he would be in the, in the Dar of Avram Avinu. But others say that it's a Gnai. Bidayre Savi was a tzaddik relative to the, the Chevra that he was surrounded by, he was a big tzaddik. But if he would be in the generation of Avram Avinu, Lahaya Nechshav Laklum, he would be nothing, which is a very big statement to make. But Rashi says that this is what Chazal tell us that there are people that, in fact, use the, the tzitkos of Nayach as not necessarily such a great thing. There was something lacking in the tzitkos of Nayach. Yes, he was a tzaddik, but it was a relative tzaddik. He was not an absolute tzaddik. He was a tzaddik relative to his generation. But if he'd be in the generation of Avram, he would not be nechshav l'klom. So normally, I always learn this Rashi, and I say, well, I, you know, that's not so nice. Okay, I don't know why... Chazal have to look at Nayak as a bad guy. He saved the world. He was a tzaddik. Okay, but we move on and we forget about that question. We just assume, you know, as we go on to the other parashas, that Rashi's Darsh Nais stays in our head as, okay, question mark on the status of Nayak Sitkas, and that's it, end of story. What I'd like to say is that after thinking about this for a long time, I was thinking... Maybe the Torah is telling us that the fact that there was a chisarin in Nayach Sitkos was really something that had to be corrected. Because if Nayach is going to be the father of humanity after the Teva, after the Mabal, he's going to be the Tzadik Hadar, he's going to be the, like the new Adam Arishan in the, in the Madura Tinyana, the second edition of the world, He's got to go into this new world as being what? As being a tzaddik dumber. You can't just accept this relative tzitkos as, you know, because it's a new world. Good, he was a tzaddik amongst Rishayim. But in the new world, he's going to be it. There's not going to be any Rishayim left. He has to really work on himself so that when he comes out of the table, whatever was wrong in his tzitkos has to be completed, has to be corrected, has to be perfected. Not just to accept it, okay, Nebuch, he wasn't a, a pure tzaddik, and let's move on. He wasn't a pure tzaddik, and let's fix it. Because we have to fix it if this is going to be the new world order. If he's going to be the head of the new world, he's got to be a tzaddik like he should be. Like in the Dar of Avram. So let's discuss for a second what was wrong with Nayach Tzitkos. If Nayach Tzitkas was incomplete, we have to know what it was that was necessary for him to do in order to complete his Tzitkas. So where do we find that? Where are we going to find what was wrong with his Tzitkas? Very easy. In the very same Pasuk of B'day Sab, which is Darshanim Lagnai, the Pasuk continues, Eshalikim Eshalik Nayach. He worked, he walked together with God. That sounds like a nice thing. It sounds like a nice image, Nayak walking with God. That's a good thing. But again, Rashi says, no, it's not. Because there's a difference between Avram and Nayak in this regard, and probably Rashi is telling us that this is what it means with Dairisab. This is what the chisarn of Nayak relative to Avram Avinu was. That if Nayak was in the Dar of Avram, he wouldn't be considered anything because he was lacking this. He was lacking this difference between him and Avram in this regard that Eshalikim Hishalech Nayach, and by Avram, Rashi says, it says, Hishalech Lefanai Ve'ye Tamim, you're going to walk in front of me. You're not going to walk with me, you're going to walk in front of me. 
Avram walked before Akadish Baruch, who says Rashi. Very difficult ration. Nayak needed help to support him, to stabilize him. Avraham Avinu was sort of like walking by himself. He was walking before Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and Nayak was walking with Hakadosh Baruch. Hu. What does that mean? Nayak was, he needed HaKadosh Baruch Hu sort of as a, as a crutch. He wasn't able to walk independently. He, he needed HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be with him. Avraham Avinu was able to walk all by himself. What does that mean? Very hard Rashi to understand. You look in the Farshim, they also don't know what Rashi means. It's very difficult to understand what that means. He's walking in front, he's walking with. It seems pretty much the same to me. But what I wanted to suggest was the following. We know that we have to have bitachan in the Rabbi Nisham. That's the Aleph days of, of life. Aleph days. I once was in, in London. I had a friend who got married and I was there for his uproof. And we went to a shtibol that had a, a very old Rebbe. It was the Sassler Rebbe. Sassler is a big Hasidus, famous, uh, famous royal uh, Hasidic dynasty of Sassler. And there was a very old Rebbe. He must have been 100 years old. He was really old. He was the, the Rebbe of this shtibol in Sassler in London. And he was a Holocaust survivor. You saw it on his face. He went through the Mabo and then some. And he gets up to speak, I think it was Shalashudis, and he says, he kept saying, Aleph Beis, Aleph Beis, Aleph Beis. And like, I was looking at my friend, like, who's from, who Davin's there, and I say, you know, is he okay? Is he like, you know, everything okay there? He says, yeah, yeah, just wait. He does this all the time. So, eventually he says, Aleph Beis, Emuna Bitochen. Emuna bitachin. The Aleph phase of life is Aleph is having Emuna and Beis is having bitachin. That we know. We know that we have to have faith in Akadosh Baruch Hu and we have to trust in Akadosh Baruch Hu. Now, additionally to having bitachin in Akadosh Baruch Hu, we also need to do Hishtablis. Hishtablis means that I can't just sit or lie on my couch all day and uh, expect God to take care of all my problems. I have to go to work. I have to, uh, I have to do things. I have to go shopping for Shabbos. I have to go and uh, you know, uh, fix, my, uh, fix my leaky roof. I, gotta, I have to do things in life. I can't expect that things will happen by itself. That's not what bitachin means. Bitachin doesn't mean I trust in God so much I have to do nothing. That's not bitachin. Bitachin is you trust in God fully, but at the same time you have to do what you're doing. Now, why you have to do what you have to do is Shabbos. Good question. It might be because of It might be the kola of Admarisha, and that, that's where it started. It's a knas. You're being punished. You have to do a Shabbos. Otherwise, you might not have had to do a Shabbos. Some say for in order to keep, to keep the world going, you have to do what you're doing. And Kaddish doesn't want you to be on nisim. You have to do. You have to build. You have to work. You got to accomplish. You gotta. You gotta make the world better. Whatever makes you comfortable, but you need a shabbos. That's clear. The problem is that sometimes bitachin and shabbos create a certain tension in your life. Because mitzad echad, I have to trust fully in Akadosh Baruch Hu. Mitzad sheni, I'm supposed to do stuff which makes me feel that I'm doing things. Maybe Akadosh Baruch Hu is helping me, but who's responsible for things happening? Is it me or is it him? So it's confusing a little bit because you know Akadosh Baruch Hu says go, 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 go to work. And, and build and do and accomplish and you know that makes me feel like I'm doing things but on the other hand he wants me to believe that he's doing everything so what is it? is it me? is it him? and the answer is it depends 
If you're a real tzaddik, if you are on a super high madrega of tzitkos, it's all Akarish Parfu. I'm doing, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I still have to go to work, I still have to do all the things that I'm doing, but I fully believe that it's not me. I'm just going through the motions because I have to. So I go to work, but it's all the Rabbi Nishlam. My job is the Rabbi Nishlam. My health is the Rabbi Nishlam. My shidduchim is the Rabbi Nishlam. My kids are, are the Rabbi Nishlam. My, my marriage is, everything is the Rabbi Nishlam. I'm just doing because I know that I'm supposed to do, but everything is fully the Rabbi Nishlam. I know that in my mind. And I live that. But some people are not on that madrega. Some people feel that it's both. It's me and him. I'm doing, I'm very smart, I'm successful, I'm doing whatever. And Baruch Hashem, you know, he's giving me like, uh, you know, he's with me. But I'm doing. Which is the better way to be? Obviously the better way to be is the first way, but we're not all holding by that. If I could really be holding on that Madriga, that my Yishtavos is so minimal, that meaning I feel that everything is a revenge, I'm just going through the motions, that would be amazing. There are tzaddikim that do that. There are, you know, people that feel, and Reb Desler brings this in one of his sarim, that um, there were big gedalim that said that for me, like my whole established is like going and buying a lotto ticket. Because, because they really felt that everything is from the Rabbi Nishram. I don't do anything. It's like I could work or I could buy a lottery ticket because that's, I'm trusting in the Rabbi Nishram. I have to do my established, whatever your established is. That depends on how much you really believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. Most of us don't have that. Most of us feel that I'm doing and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is helping me accomplish. But it's not like everything is the Rabbi Shalom. It's Everything is, is, is a combination. We're sort of partners. I'm doing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is like giving me that added, you know, assistant. He gets the assist, but I'm doing. What I'd like to suggest, perhaps is that this difference that I'm speaking about now is the difference between an Avraham Avinu and a Nayak. Avraham Avinu, his halach with fanai ve'esamim. Avraham Avinu didn't look at the Rabbi Nishlam as a partner with him. Avraham Avinu was walking independently, meaning he was saying, whatever I'm doing is all the Rabbi Nishlam. I don't have anything personally that I'm accomplishing. I am a shliach of the Rabbi Nishlam in the world, and I know that everything that I do, he's behind me, he's doing, he's pushing, he's, it's him. That's what it means, his house of fun, I walk before me. What does it mean, walk before me? Avraham Avinu is walking, and he knows that the Rabbi Nishlam has his back. The Rabbi Nishlam is pushing him. The Rabbi Nishlam, I trust in you fully. You know, some of my kids sometimes... Uh, you know, they teach me all the newest uh, shtick that's going on, you know, in that, in that generation, the Dairesa. And um, so one shtick, and it's a very dangerous thing, it's called, um, I think it's called the trust fall. Anyone know what that is? Trust fall? It's, the, it's, it's bizarre, and it's very dangerous. All of a sudden, the kid screams, trust fall, and they start, like, falling backwards, Without any, you know, without any, like, uh, not on a mattress, not much like on a marble floor, and you're expecting that your friend or your or your brother or sister will catch you. So I'm trusting that 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 person will catch. Now, if I'm wrong, you're dead wrong. But that's trust. I fully trust that I could trust in you that you're going to catch me. It's a trust fall. That's Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu was. He knew that the Shprach was going to catch him every single time he falls. His halach lefanai, you have Ramavin, you're in front of me. You could, I, I, you know that I have your back. You know that I'm here with you. His halach lefanai you're going to be, you're perfect. Because your level of itachan, you're doing your ishtadlis, because you have to do your ishtadlis. You're going, you're doing, you're putting up a tent, you're being machnasayrach, you're, you're changing the world, you're preaching, you know, about achtasis, hatarishparacho. You're doing everything, but, you know that it's all me. You have pure bitachan in me that I am here for you. I'm, going, I'm, I'm doing everything for you. You're just going through the motions, but it's all me. That's the highest madriga that a human being could reach in terms of pure bitachan. Nayach was not on that madriga. Nayach was on the madriga of Eshelikim Esalach We're going together, meaning 
I'm doing, Akadshbarko is helping me, but I'm doing. I'm really doing things on my own. I'm living in this world, and I feel that I have to do this and I have to do that. I'm living within the world, within the confines of Teva, of nature, and, I, I'm, I'm, and that's what I'm doing. I, I, I need to feel you know, that I am the master of my own destiny. Maybe that's why his name was Nayak. He needed this feeling of comfort, of security. It's, very, it's a very scary thing to rely on somebody totally. But if I could feel that I'm doing something myself, that my Ishtavas is actually you know, accomplishing something for me, that makes me feel safe. The Beis Lady speaks about this concept, by the way, with Yaisa Batzadik. We're not going to go into that right now. But he says there in, 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 uh, on that parsha that the concept of Ishtavas is really one that Akadish Baruch Hu does as a favor to us to make us feel a certain sense of serenity in our life because we, we need as human beings very often to feel that we're doing so that we feel in control. We like feeling in control of things. We don't like feeling like we're in free fall and Akadish Baruch Hu, you know, has to catch us all the time. We like feeling that I'm doing something on my own, and Hakadosh Baruch is helping me, of course, but I'm doing, and that makes me feel much more secure and comfortable because knowing that I have the ability to to accomplish and to do and to and to build and to and to that that's a very it, it feels comfortable, it feels comfortable. Be talking in the purest sense that I'm really, let's say, I don't have a job, I don't have any money, and that's very uncomfortable. I like doing things that are comfortable. Mayak was that type. He was He was walking with Hakadosh Baruch I'm doing. You're going to help me, but I'm, I'm. I have to feel like I'm in control. Like I'm. I'm. The shtalus is more than just merely, uh, you know, checking the box so that uh, the knas box. But I'm. I'm doing something, and I'm in control. You're helping me, but I'm in control. Avramina didn't need that. Avramina was in in that mode of. The, the trust fall, that I, I, I trust you so much, I'm not in control, I'm just, I, I could fall back and you have my back and I trust you fully. Nayak couldn't do a trust fall. Nayak had to be on his own and Akadosh Baruch, I, I believe Akadosh Baruch is helping me, but it's me. Now again, if, if Nayak is going to be the father of humanity, HaKadosh Baruch Hu understands, HaKadosh Baruch Hu decreed that this has to change. This attitude of Nayak, of Esau Akim, is good, but it's good in his generation. In the next generation, which is going to be near Abram, he has to really raise the bar on his bitachin. He has to get on the higher level of Yishalach Lefanai. And I have a riot to this. Because as Nayak is coming onto the table, you know what HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to him? HaKadosh Baruch Hu says the following thing. He says, Come you and your entire household onto the table. Why? Because I see you as a tzaddik lefonai badar hazeh. I see you not as the tzaddik that's walking with me. That's the pre Mabonaya. But I'm trying to make you the tzaddik lefanai. The Avram Avinu concept of the tzaddik. That's what I'm trying to do for you over here. I have to, in order to create a new world, I need you as the leader. You're the last man standing. You have to be a tzaddik on the higher madrega. You have to be a tzaddik on the madrega of Avram Avinu because you're going to be ushering into the world of Avram Avinu. You're going to be the grandfather of Avram Avinu. You're going to be the next, the, the, the precursor of Avram Avinu. So you have to already raise the, your generation from where you are from the mabal and prepare the world now for an Avram Avinu. You have to raise the bar now. It's not enough to be an Eshelik, and that was good in this generation. That was fine because we're living in a world of relativity. But after the Mabal, there's not going to be any, any Risham to compare you to. Now there's going to be a world of Avramovinus. And you have to now be that level. I'm expecting you now to graduate 
to a higher level of tzaddik lefanai, of hisalach lefanai ve'yetamim. That's what I want from you. Okay, HaKadosh Baruch could want that all he wants, but how is that going to happen? You know how it's going to happen? It's going to happen through the building of the table. Like Rashi says elsewhere, there were many ways that Nayak could have been saved. HaKadosh Baruch could have made like an underground bunker for Nayak if he wanted to. HaKadosh Baruch could have said, you know what, there's a volcano that you and your family could go into. I'm going to put a rock on top of it and, and after the, after the marble's over, you know, you can come out, you and your family. HaKadosh Baruch could have made many things happen. But he ordered a teva to be built. Asei l'cha teva sa'atzei gaifa. I want you to make a teva for yourself. What does that mean for yourself? L'cha. This teva is going to fix and correct your lower madrega of bitachen, and it's going to raise you to a tzaddik lefanai b'dar How is that going to happen? Okay, so we have to roll up our sleeves and look at the parsha and see what happens in this process of from the building of the teva to the emergence of nayak from the teva after the mabul to the new world. So, we learned already what happened. HaKadosh Baruch Hu commands Nayach, V'chafarta Aisa, Mibayis, Umichot Vakaita. I want you that when you're building this table, the first step you're going to do is, you're going to shellac it with tar, Mibayis, Umichot. You're going to make this tar, this pitch in the table, on the outside and on the inside. Now, that's an interesting thing, to put pitch on the outside and on the inside, because the truth is that if you're a Baal you believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu could do anything that he wants. Now, why do we have to do Ishtaz? Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like we said before, doesn't operate in the world of Nisim. It has to look good. It has to look like you're doing Ishtazus enough that B'derech HaTeva, you could be accomplishing what you're accomplishing. That's how the, that's how Mufmelio. Go back to that classic Mr. Malio. He says that the amount of Ishtavos has to be enough that people think that what you're doing could earn you a living. So let's say you say, listen, okay, my Ishtavos, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tutor, you know, one minute a day. I'm going to find some high school kid, tutor him, sit him down one minute a day, and that's my Ishtavos. No, that's not good, because people know that that's not humanly possible to make a salary based on one minute a day. Maybe an hour or two a day, maybe that's good or Yeshiva Bakr, for sure that's good. But it has to look to the world like, well, Akhish Prabhu can't be Mephanism without doing anything, of course he could. And he can't be Mephanism without doing it for a minute, of course he could. But it has to look like, within the natural world, that you're doing enough. You can't show people that you're Saimechan Akhish Prabhu completely, because that, that flies in the face of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants, for whatever reason. It's a very complicated topic. We're trying to keep it very simple and streamlined. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you don't really have to do it, but the Chafarta, the Ebenezer says, is a lotion of Kapara. I have to give you a Kapara, meaning I have to atone, I have to fix what you have wrong with you. So the first way to fix something that you have wrong is to recognize your problem. If you don't know what your problem is, then you're not going to be able to fix it. You should only need it for the world to see that there's pitch on the outside of the table. Oh, it looks seaworthy. Doesn't have to actually be perfectly seaworthy inside, outside, up, up and down. No. HaKadosh Baruch is protecting you. But you have to go through the motion. So really, mitzad to be tough, and all you have to do is Put pitch around the outside so that all the people are say, Oh, this is a good. It's good. It's good. Good shit. You have to put it on the inside. Also, no. That's from that. That's that's because you need to feel secure. You don't trust me enough that if I would tell you to put it just on the outside, that that would be enough for you because you don't. I'm, I'm going to go on the high seas in this boat. It ain't seaworthy. It ain't seaworthy. I'm telling you, this is what I expect you to be living in. Obviously, it is seaworthy. I'll make it seaworthy. But you don't feel comfortable with that. You're at this stage. You're You're You need to do your to make yourself feel to feel comfortable. That's okay. So we're going to start the process out as part of your kapara. The first step is recognize where you're holding now so that we can now grow. 
So Nayak has to be putting the pitch on the outside and on the inside. As if to say, this is where you're holding right now. You don't trust me enough. If I would tell you just to put it on the outside, that's not good enough. It has to be, you know, you have to look up online and see exactly what people are doing in the boats they're doing on the outside and the inside. No, Meshav boat was perfectly seaworthy, just putting it on the outside. That's fine, because I could have to make a boat go on the, uh, on the waters with that. Whether it's a soft sea, whether it's a harsh sea, it doesn't matter. But you, you need it as a kapara. I'm going to make you start now with what you need. So good, you're going to put it on the outside and on the inside. But you're going to know that this is not right. You know you're going to know because you're going to be living in that teva and you're going to be smelling that pitch the entire year. And that's going to be a constant reminder for you that your tzitkos is not yet on the madrega of an Abraham Avinu, of a Maishra Avinu. You're not holding there yet. But that's all part of your kapara. Your kapara is, you want to live with the elements, you want to live with your bitachin, you gotta, then you're really going to have to live with it. You're going to have to suffer the consequences. So for 12 months, Nayak had to smell that zephes the whole time. Because that was part of his kapara. His kapara was understand that when you're not going to be at Sadiq Gomer, then this is what happens. If you'd want to be on the madrig of a Sadiq Gomer, then you'd only have to have it on the outside. But you need it both. You need to have it perfectly watertight, seaworthy, do whatever you need to do for, for your full level of Manukha Sadas, fine. But you're going to have to have that smell to remind you that I'm not such a tzaddik yet. This is something that I did that needs a kapara. The kaparta. Now Nayak is on the boat. He's on the teva for 12 months. What's going on on this boat? He's living in a world of nisim. He's seeing the Yad Hashem. He's no longer living in a world of Teva that he needs to do his Ishtadlos and yet has to do everything perfectly by the, you know, by the way that Teva demands. Because he's living on a Teva that really defies the laws of nature. The Ramban, that you have to learn the Shabbos, the Ramban says that not one Teva nor ten Tevas of the measurements that are given in the Torah could really contain all of these animals. So there are big animals here. There was elephants, and there was uh, hippopotamuses, and uh, hippopotami. And all of these things, right? He had all these big el- big animals, dinosaurs, I don't know. Yeah. Stop, what? Giraffes. Giraffes. He had all these huge things. They can't fit on the boat that, 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 that Nayaf was building. So, but it was... A nase, says the Ramban, of that, it's, it's a nase of hichsek, hamuid as hamaruba, a small amount of space is holding a much larger volume. So then he says the obvious question, okay, so then why not just make a little, a little rowboat? If, if it's anyway, no, that you can't do, says the Ramban, because there, you know, it has to look good, like we're, like we're saying, the part of people, you know, if you'd make a rowboat, people would say, this is impossible, this is crazy. So it's big enough to make people believe that on the outside that this might work, but in the inside you see this is impossible. I'm living in a world of miracles. I'm living in a world of pure bitachin b'ashem. There's no ishtadlis here in the inside. On the outside, you know, what people see, okay, maybe it's passable, but in the inside, how is this happening? I'm living in a little confined area, and I have the entire Bronx Zoo and then some in it. It doesn't make sense. So Nayak was like getting a chinuch on the boat, on this teva. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made him build a teva to get a chinuch precisely in this department. Hishtadlis is not for a person like you that I see as a tzadik lefanai. It's not just merely, you know, doing things and thinking that I'm at you. You're going to learn right now that whatever you're doing is not the real story. I'm letting you do this, but it's really, it's all Nisan. It's all my world. He was living in an area that was clearly Nisim on the inside of the Teva where he was smelling that pitch because he thought that that's what you needed to do. He was seeing right now on the inside. From the inside, it's all Nisim. Outside, it looks like, you know, Teva, okay, fine, maybe. But on the inside, this is impossible. I'm living in a place that is defying nature and every day. He says, 
Boy, it's all, this is a godly world. This is a world that is half the fun. I, I'm, I'm, I have to live with a Rebbeinu Because the Rebbeinu I'm not... The Rebbeinu Shalom is the Kol Yachol. He's doing everything. I'm not doing anything. And I found the remarkable Eben Ezra on what this word Teva is all about. You ever wonder why it doesn't say a word like Sina or Onia, right? Onia, Onia, Onia is, a, is a boat, a ship. Sina is a ship. You go to Israel, you know, you say, you know, you want to rent a boat. You say, I want a Nilotzel, it's called Teva. They're not going to know what you're talking about. Teva? They're going to give you like a sitter or something. Here's some words. Like, what, what, what do you mean a Teva? They're going to give you like a cardboard box maybe. What's a Teva? The Ebenezer is bothered by You know what the Ebenezer says? The difference between a Sina and a Nia versus a Teva? A Sina and a Nia are things that you have, like a boat, a ship. You have oars. You have rudders. You have a control of the ship. You go on a cruise ship. There's you go into the engine room or into the captain's, uh, you know, uh, cockpit or whatever you call it. And you know there's 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 boat. There's uh, steering wheels and there's uh, whatever you call it. You know there, there's all types of sophisticated equipment to steer the ship. You go on a, on a rowboat. At least you have two oars that you're that you're rowing. You go on a canoe, you have an oar to, to canoe. You, you're in control. You feel fully in control or someone in control. A teva, says the Ebenezer, is a, is a box, like, like Maishra Rabbein is teva. He doesn't say that. I'm just saying, you know, like you put, a, you put something in a shoe box and you let it go. <laughs> Did Maishra Rabbein have oars or like a, a steering wheel? It's just wherever, wherever the water took him, that's where he went. That's what Nayak was confined in. He was confined in a box with zero control. What's the point of that? The Ebenezer doesn't take it the next step, but I'm telling you what the what the what the site of the Ebenezer is. The site of the Ebenezer is Nayak needed to understand that you're not in control. You think you're in control, but you're not in control. Stop walking with me pretending that you're in control, like we're both driving the car. You're not driving anything. You're in the teva. There's no oars. There's no steering wheels. There's no rudders. There's no nothing. All you have is the Rebbeinu Shalom sweeping you along through life. And that's really what life is. We don't know that. We think in our minds, or Nayak Pri the Mabel thought, that life is all about me steering. I'm in the driver's seat. I'm in control. I'm doing. I'm building. I'm, 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 I'm going to school and I'm graduating and I'm going getting this job and that job. And I'm all, it's all me. And I can sparkle is really giving me that oomph. He's holding my hand. No, no, no. That's not what's happening. HaKadosh Baruch is doing everything. Everything is a Rabbi Yishon. Every dollar that we'll ever make in our life is because the Rabbi Yishon is giving it to us. He is in control. He's the provider. He's the Mashiach. He's the Ezer. He's the Magin. He's everything. What am I doing? I'm going through the motions. But you have no control. You have no control. I, I heard once a very cute story um, from a rabbi in Eretz Yisrael uh, that there was a person who came into, in Israel, came into a taxi, and he was sitting next, you know, sometimes you sit in the back of the taxi, it's always not clear what you should do, you, you know, you go into a taxi, you sit in the back, you know, then you think the driver, you know, has kindness on you that... You know, you think you're so chasha, like it's a, you know, like you're being chauffeured somewhere. But then if you sit in the front, the driver, like, you know, you don't know if he likes that either. Maybe he wants you in the back. Maybe he doesn't want you sitting next to him. Anyway, this guy went into the driver, into the taxi, and he sat in the passenger seat. Now, it was a strange thing because in the passenger seat, there was like a little steering wheel in the passenger seat. And... So the person who was sitting there, this Rob, he was making conversation with the taxi driver. He says, you know, are you a driver's ed teacher, you know, in the afternoon when you're not driving your taxi? Maybe you do drive it. Why would you say this? Because there's a steering wheel over here. So maybe, you know, you have to, maybe there's two ways of steering the car. Just like there's two brakes, there's two steering wheels. He says, no, I'm not a driver's ed teacher. He says, so what, what's the steering wheel here? Stranger says, you bought it from England and you're like, you read, you, like what did you do here? He says, no. He says, I have a child who is very hyperactive. Very hyperactive child I have. And 
he always like he wants to be in control, so he like lunges at my at my steering wheel when I'm driving, and it's very dangerous. Sometimes he like tries to pull me off the road. So what I did was I went and I, I sort of constructed a little steering wheel for him, so that while I'm driving, he's able to drive also to sit like this the whole time and drive. And this way, his hyperactivity is not a danger to the car because you know it allows him to believe that he's driving the car. So this rub says to the taxi driver, wow, you just gave me such a great muscle schmooze. I'm going to repeat this wherever I go. Because that's what we are. We're like that kid, that hyperactive kid that we need to feel like we're in control of things. We're really not in control of anything. But I so that we should feel benayach, he gives us a steering wheel, a toy steering wheel, and we're, we're like sitting like hushed, like in our, in our lives, you know, I have this profession, and I got this, this, and I have my family, and my friends, I, you know, my house, my car, my, you know, like, you know, like I'm in control, but I'm not in control of anything. The Rabbi Yitzhak's driving the entire car, the entire world, the entire life, but he gives us the ability to, so that we feel comfortable, he gives us the ability to feel like we're sitting next to him. We're sitting next to the Rebbe and helping him steer the wheel, but we're not doing anything. We're really not doing everything, if, if anything. If we knew that, you know, what this schmooze is all about, we'd all be on the Madrig of Avram Avinu. Because we'd realize, I'm not doing anything. I'm, I have to do Heshtadlus, quote-unquote. I have to, like, go out and get a job and be mefarnes and, and work and uh, build. But it's all it's all a joke because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants me to do that for whatever reason, but he's doing everything. He's in control. Nayak needed to learn this. So Nayak is put into this boat. He has to smell his, 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 the wrongness of his hashkafa for 12 months, smelling that zephyr, knowing that he's not the tzaddik that yet that he's supposed to be. He sees in this world of non-teva for 12 months how all these animals are crowded into this little space. He sees that completely is in control of everything. Teva is nothing. There was no need for me to put Zephyrus inside because it's all external, but everything in the inside is the Rabbi Shalom. He's put into a box, literally, without any oars, without any rudders, without any, any steering wheels. He's not in control. He doesn't even have that kid's steering wheel because what Hatrish Farku is doing is he's being mechanichim, not just, okay, I accept that you're not a tzaddik like Avraham Mibazayi saw, but okay, boo-hoo, too bad, you know, I wish you were better, but no, 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 I'm going to make you the tzaddik that Avraham Avinu is going to be. I'm not accepting as a status quo, you know, what you're, you know, what you are now. I'm going to build you into a tzaddik. teva. You're going to make for yourself this teva. This is why I'm making you specifically go into the teva so that you understand that there's no steering wheels in life. You don't have a steering wheel. You don't have oars. You don't have rudders. You're just going down the stream that Akhenshparuchu dictates every single curve in the road. This was the Abayda of Nayak on this table. To make himself go from a tzaddik relative to the Daramabal into a tzaddik that's befitting a new world of Aram Avinu. Interesting, at the end of the trip of Nayach, he sends out a Yaina. Very strange, that whole parasha with the birds of Ayrev and Yaina. Like, what, what was that all for? To find out the land was dry. Anyway, he waited for the Rabbi Shalom to give him the green light to go out. But before, when he sends out the Yaina, the Yaina comes back the second time with an Ale Zayas, with a, a, an olive branch. And Chazal, Rashi brings it a little different than the Gemara brings it. But basically, what Chazal tells us is that Yaina was saying a message to Nayaf by bringing specifically the olive branch. What was the message? Amra Yehim is a Naisai Merurin Kizayas Biyadish Lakadish Farcho Vulay Misukin Kidvash Bide Basavadam. I want that my food, I prefer my food to be bitter like olives. Olive is a bitter 
food and the tree, maybe, maybe it's bitter, the leaf is bitter, something on the olive tree is very bitter, but I prefer that, says the Yaina Tanayach, that it should be an olive that's bitter, but from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, than something sweet that comes from the hands of Asar Adam. That might have been like the, the last lesson of Yaina before he leaves the ship. The last lesson is that you have to rely on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You always have to completely rely on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Even though it might be that sometimes life is bitter that way, it's better to have the bitterness of life, but understanding that everything is from the Rabbi Yisham, and having the sweetness of the ease that you might have otherwise, believing that it's in my hands. I'm making a great salary, I'm in control, I'm this, that. It's, it's geschmack, it's nayas, it's easy. It's much easier life. It, it, it feels good to be a balabas. You know, sometimes you go into a shtibo and you see like the, the rich balabatim, you know, and they smell of perfume and they like, they have like a certain geschmack to them. They like just, you just feel like that they're so self, like so independent, like they have so much money and so much power and they feel it and it's geschmack, it's like, Coursing through their veins, that, that feeling of like It's kishmach. That, that's sweet. That's 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 Adam. It's much better to live a life that's more difficult, that's bitter, but you know that I'm living with the Rabbanishlam. The Rabbanishlam is doing everything. I'm, I'm completely reliant on him. I have no control. I know that everything is the Rabbanishlam. Does that make life easy? No, it makes life hard sometimes. Because, whoa, where's my parnasa coming from? Who am I relying on? You know, it's like that famous, uh, I don't know if it's a joke, but like a guy uh, like falls off a cliff and he's holding on to like a branch that's sticking out and there's like, he looks down and there's like a thousand feet of, you know, a, a, a mountain, you know, waiting for him to, to fall on. And a, a basco comes out of Shamayim and he's davening and he says, and the basco comes down, you know, let go. And he says, is there anyone else up there? No one will let go. I mean, let go. I can't go into a free fall. But do you trust the Rabbi Hashem or not? It's not easy to trust the Rabbi Hashem. It's a harder life. Because you're complete, you don't feel any, any self, you know, like you're not, in, you're not in control. People want to be in control. But that difficulty in the hands of the Rabbi Hashem, knowing that I'm, I have pure betoth in the Rabbi Hashem, is better than the sweetness of that independence that you feel otherwise, when you are in control. And then Nayak waits for the Shparfu to give him the green light to go out of the table. Again, I'm not in control. I'm not going out because I figured out that now the land is dry. So now, that's the old Nayak. The new Nayak is saying, okay, I, I'm totally in the Rabbi Hashem's I have to wait for the seed of the Rabbi Shem. I can't just walk out of the table. That's me. That's the old me that I'm, I'm doing. I, and the Rabbi Shem is going to back me. No, no. He waits. HaKadosh Baruch gives him the green light. He goes out. The old Nayak might have said, okay, now i got to start building. Now i got to start, you know, building a hut for myself and making myself, you know, food and a kitchen and, and you know, and, and uh, you know, with two sinks and whatever. Like, I have to do. have to do. But Nayak now comes out of the table. The very first thing that he does is he brings a carbon to the Rabbanishan. Brings a carbon to the Rabbanishan. And the Pasuk says, Vayarach Hashem is Reach Anichayach. Hakarishbahu smells with tremendous pride and pleasure this new carbon, this beautiful aroma that's coming out of this carbon from Nayak. There's no need for me anymore to curse the, the earth. There's never going to be any more mabal, everything is fine, there's a new world. And what this means is, HaKadosh Baruch is saying, you have graduated, Naya. you have passed the test. You now went from somebody that was a and now you're on a madrega of Ramavino. Now you're on a madrega that you don't see, I have to do things on my own, I'm, not, I'm in control, i got to make sure that... No, 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 you're not making sure of anything. You're coming out of the Teba, and you're coming out with a brand new perspective on life of Lefana. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're in front of me. I'm, I'm, I'm walking in front of you knowing that everything is you. You have my back, a trust fall. Whatever happens, I don't have to worry about myself. I have to worry about you. 
and the very first thing that I'm doing is I'm bringing you a carbon. I want to give you nachas ruach. I want you to understand that I know that everything is you now. It's not me. I'm not, I'm not, I have no hyperactivity anymore. I'm not looking for my steering wheel. Because I trust you. And as soon as that happens, now the world, the new world is ready to be built. Now Avraham Avinu comes onto the scene. Avraham Avinu is going to, you know, build a world of chesed, teaching the, teaching the world about the Rabbeinu Shalom, that there is a Rabbeinu Shalom first and foremost, and that the Rabbeinu Shalom is a kol yachol, and that you have to rely solely on the Rabbeinu Shalom. It's halach lefanai ve'esam, the way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu expects our Abayim to be in the most perfect way, is one that we rely on him. Yes, we have to do our own established every single day. We wake up, we have to do, we have to build, we have to eat, we have to sleep, we have to help, we have to... But the understanding is, I do this because this is what the Rabbi Nisham wants from me. But the Rabbi Nisham is in full control of the Bria. He's Mahava the Bria. He, he built the world. He's managing the world. Everything is from him. He's the Kol Yachel, Ein Vaday. That's the most perfect way to be an Ebed Hashem, to fully have faith in the Rabbanu Hashem, whatever happens is from you, I trust you implicitly, I don't feel that I am contributing anything to the equation except for what you want me to contribute. This is the world of Nayach, and that's why, going back to our original questions with Rashi, he, Meshra Rabbeinu was that tzaddik that just needed it on the outside of his little table. But Nayach didn't feel that that was good enough. Nayach felt that he was going on to the high seas and needed inside also. So he had to smell that bad Rayach because that was his punishment or that was his tikkun. And finally, that bad odor of the Zephes, of the Kaifer, was changed after the Mabo into Vayarach Hashem Esreach and Yichayach, the most beautiful aroma that comes from the Tzadah. This is something that's Megeya to us all, because we all want to be that, live that nayach. We want to have that ease. We want to feel in control. We, want, we need that. As human beings, we need to feel in control. I have, a, I have a relative. He cannot drive in a car unless he's driving the car. He doesn't go on buses. He, does, he goes in a plane, but that took like a lot of therapy. He, he cannot drive, he can't, he can't go on a bus, he can't go in a, in a cab, he can't go, he can't have his wife driving. He needs to drive. Why? He doesn't trust other people to do it. I need to do it. If I don't do it myself, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be right. It's too dangerous. We're all like that. We need to do everything ourselves. We need to be in control. I need to feel like I have my career going and I have this and I have that and everything is, uh, marrying this type, you know, this and money and, uh, uh. Everything has to be perfect because I need, I need, I understand, but I need to control. You're not in control. You have to let go of the branch and trust the Rabbi Nishayim. Do you have to do Ishtadas? Absolutely. Do you have to make money? Yes. But the Hashkafa Satira is that we have to work on ourselves. We have to build our own Teva ourselves and try to, day by day, try to steigen our Bitochen so that we don't really believe that the steering wheel is anything else but HaKadosh Baruch Hu allowing us to, to feel like we're in control, to feel, but that's not what the, what's really going on. On the inside of the Teva, we see a world of Nisim. The world has to see our Teva as being Tevadik. But inside, in our own homes, in our own hearts, we have to understand that everything is from the Rebbe You know, like... I've been around for, you know, for a pretty long time. And not it doesn't necessarily make you smarter being older, but it gives you more experience. And and I'm I'm a pretty observant Jew. I, I observe things a lot. And I remember when I was a little kid, I used to you know, hear Balabatim talk. And they were talking about the Kailal system. They were talking about maybe Lakewood, maybe Kailam in general. And I remember, like it was today, I was a little kid listening to this, and they were saying, you know, this Kailal system, it's not going to last. 
not going. It's not. It's not financial, financially viable. I think was their expression. He says it can't last more than one generation. It's going to collapse. It's going to collapse. It can't. It can't last because maybe the first generation can support Tyra, but like, but these Kyle guys, we're, they're not making parnas from anywhere. So how are they going to be able to support their kids and their sons-in-law? And their, it's only going to last one generation. It's going to. The whole lake was going to collapse. Okay, then like, you know, 10, 15 years later, I hear the same Tyra. And then 10, 15 years later, I hear the same Tyra. Because from a non-Tyradika perspective, that's true. It's a thousand percent true. From a, from a Hisala, from Esau, Kim if you, if you feel that you're in control, they're right. But Mitzad, the Teva, there's no way in the world that what's going on in America and the way, what's going on in Israel could last a day. Forget about decades. You go to Eretz Yisrael, B'nai Brak, Me'a Sharim, Ramat Beit Shemesh, you name it, Kiryat Sefer, every single you know, area that's Haredi, I would say 95% of the people living there are, are in Kailu. How is that happening? Who's supporting these people? How are they living? Okay, well, so you make all the tire. Well, you know, there's not so much tuition. and then it, No, no, no. I know when I go to Israel, I don't know if you have the same experience. I go to a money changer. I, I you know, put, give him $200. He gives me, um, whatever, 800 shekel, let's say. Before I know it, before I have a chance to put it in my wallet, it's gone. I don't know how. If, in America, I could keep $20 in my wallet for a week and I'm fine. In Eretz Yisrael, I have 800 shekel. I should be a gavir. But you go into a, the olive wood factory to get your kid a stender, you know, that's all of a sudden 300 shekel, that's gone. And then you get a master for your kid, and you get a keychain for your daughter, and a bracelet for this. 800 shekel, gone. In a minute. Okay, so maybe in Kyle they don't buy stenders from the olive wood factory, but, but they're eating, right? They're going into supermarkets and buying things. They're, they're, they're spending money. They're not giving them monopoly money. So... How is it working? Tell me how it's working. The answer is that it's a nace. It's a nace nigra, but it's a nace. But from the outside, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know, puts a, a teva, there's kaifa around the teva, and so it looks like, okay, but you know, the government is helping, and people are helping, Americans are helping, and you know, there's welfare in America, and there's social security, and there's this, and there's shtick, and there's, you know, before, they, they, there's ways to believe that it could happen, but I've seen, I've been seeing for decades now that it, it's getting stronger, it's getting bigger. When I was a kid, Lakewood was a few hundred people, now it's a few thousand people. It's not dying, it's getting stronger. In 20 years, if I give the Shemuz and Mitzvah, in 20 years, there might be 20,000 people in Lakewood, maybe 30,000 people. Who's going to support them? The answer is that the Rabbi Yisham supports everybody. I don't care whether or not you have a doctorate. I don't care whether or not you're a cardiologist. I don't care whether you're a big fat lawyer. I don't care whether or not... It doesn't matter. Or you're in Kyle. The Rabbi Yisham is in control. The only difference is that the guy that's, that went to law school thinks that he has a little steering wheel, that he's in control, and the guy in Kyle doesn't have a steering wheel. It's much sweeter to be the guy in law, that, that's the lawyer because he feels that he has a steering wheel that he's controlling. It's Maslik Mitvash. But if you believe that I'm on the Rabbeinishayim, it's not Maslik Mitvash necessarily. It's hard. It's a hard life. You've got to come home to your wife rather than know where, where, where is the money you know, can't afford this, it's not cute anymore, you know, they're, they're calling me at the, you know, at the Makola, they want their money, they want this, it's not, it's Mururin, it's Mururin Kizayas, but it's from the Rabbi Nishan. it's all from the Rabbi Nishan. but it's very important for us as B'nai Taira, even if we're not completely feeling it yet, to know that this is what we should be aspiring to when we're building our table, when we're building our life, Yes, we have to put kaifer around the outside, but don't, you don't have to smell it inside. Don't bring those bad hashkafas into the home and that you're going to be forced to smell that kaifer inside your home. When you come home, you have to tell your kids that I'm not in control, the Rabbi Yishlam is doing everything. In Mirza Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Chaste Hashem, everything is from the Rabbi Yishlam. So why are you going to work? The Rabbi Yishlam wants me to go to work. That's who is from Hashem. But don't believe for a second that you have a steering wheel, that you're controlling your destiny, because you're not. The Teva was rudderless. There was nothing. Nayak came out of the Teva a different man. 
because that taught him that I'm not in control. I'm, I'm, I'm never in control. Is it easier to be in control to feel the... Yes, but it's not reality. The reality is that none of us are in control of anything. The Rabbi Shalom does everything, can do everything, and everything is from him. And this is the lifelong lesson that Parshas Nayaf teaches us, that we might not be there yet. Nayaf wasn't there yet when he came onto the Teva, but through the process of the Teva, Kedush Baruch was mechanichim to get it. And Mitzvah Hashem, we too can grow into that second tier Nayaf. To be able to do a free fall and know that the Rabbi Shalom will catch me every single time. Mitzvah Hashem, we should take the lessons of the beautiful Parshas and Sefer Bereshis. It's so powerful. Every parsha, Bereshis and Nayak and Lechba, these are golden parshas. To be Mavr Sedra, to learn them with, with the Mepharshim, with Rashi, with Ramban, as much time as we can find for, for it. It's so vitally important to our, to the DNA of our life, to the, to the, to, to the Ashkafas, the building blocks of our Amunah and Bitach and the Alephes of our life. It's all in these parshas. Mitzvah as we go forward in, in these parishes, we will together as the yeshiva through the shmuzen to the vadim, through all of the other rabbeim's um, shiurim that they will be giving from these parishes, we will be able to grow, to be nasa adam, to be a greater person than we were before these parishes. Have a good chance.